0: Hey everyone. My name is Rod. This is the Irrelevant Podcast, a podcast about unimportant subjects. And today, we are going to talk about NFL football face masks. And it'll be a long time you ever me It me hold my head in shame. So I hold so it's september in america and that means one thing the nfl is back on tv um as the time of recording this uh week one has just finished or actually it's about to finish we're in the last game and uh you know i i really like football i've been watching football since i was a kid I'm really, really into the NFL. Kind of into college. Being from Texas, I'm kind of into high school football as well. But one of the aspects of the NFL that I've really enjoyed throughout the years is the uniforms and especially the helmets. And one of the aspects of the helmets that I've enjoyed even most are the face masks. The helmet, more than anything else on the football uniform, is really what transforms a man into, you know, something larger than what he actually is. And the face mask in particular has a big part of that. I don't know if you've ever seen Football players from the old timey days, but you know when they're wearing those leather helmets and to be frank They kind of look dopey. There's a very famous picture of this guy doing some football helmet testing with the, of the leather variety And he's you know jumping almost uh, perp- like parallel to the floor perpendicular to the wall mashing his head into it and that kind of looks dumb um, Honestly he, he, like without the face mask the football helmet kind of looks weird at least in my opinion uh, So how did the face mask come about? Like I said earlier, there was, you know, for the vast, for the start of the football history, uh, players played with leather helmets. And even back then, face masks started to come about. There was like little nose guards or things that guys would wear whenever they would get injured. And there was one in particular called the executioner style mask. And I'm going to put a picture of it up on the site. Um, but pretty much what the executioner style mask is, is it's, it's another leather part that kind of covers like a T and then around the face kind of looks like a hybrid between a luchador and a old-timey football player and it just looks scary and weird and i can't imagine, you know, some Yale guy running at me with that. It looks terrifying. And, and you know, that was pretty much what face masks were back then up until the 50s. So in the 50s, the NFL players started wearing plastic helmets or composite material helmets and in particular in, nine, in a game in 1953, the 49ers were playing the Browns and right before the first half ended, uh, 49ers 49ers linebacker Art McAllik had a late hit on the Browns QB, Otto Graham. This resulted in Otto Graham busting up his jaw like really nasty and eating 15 stitches. The craziest part about this story is that Otto Graham came back into the game. Uh, he wanted to come back into the game. I'm sure like as you guys know football is a very violent sport but even in in these old timey days it was way more violent than what it is right now and it was regarded as a tough sport and you know it's not unnatural for a guy to get 15 stitches and want to come back in something that today wouldn't really happen. Anyway, um, Otto Graham played for the Browns and the coach of the Browns or the founder of the Browns is a man by the name of Paul Brown. Now if you know anything about football you know Paul Brown He's a giant in the world of football, and here's another one of his great contributions to the game. During halftime, Paul Brown worked with equipment manager Leo Murphy, and he quickly came up with a device that would offer protection to Graham's mouth and allow him to finish the game. What this was, was pretty much a piece of lucite, or like acrylic clear plastic, kind of looks like plexiglass, and it was thick. It was like an arch. It went around the bottom of the helmet. It would block his chin, you know, where he has his stitches and his blood flowing out. And he put that on the helmet, and Autogram was able to finish the game. He completed nine of ten passes, and the Browns won the game. He was also like this was the first time that a face that a permanent face mask was used on a helmet. After that, Paul Brown got together again with Riddell, uh, the manufacturers of helmets to this day they still make the majority of the helmets in the NFL and they made a lucite mask and the Browns used it for the 1953 season now the weird part about this is that you know that material that acrylic would shatter in the cold and I mean these guys were playing in Cleveland you know not exactly Florida or a warm weather city so I imagine these things were shattering a lot so at the end of the season Paul Brown went to Riddell and he had a requirement for a helmet or for a face mask and I quote he said give me something that will fit across the front of a helmet and will be about as big as my little finger with tensile strength I want it so it can withstand a stray foot or a deliberately thrown fist or elbow and take away the inclination to punch someone but keep it light enough to weigh less than an ounce now that quote shows you how different football is now than what it was back then Paul Brown said look just give me something that like will block a straight foot, or an elbow, or a fist. If we see any of that on the field right now, it results in a suspension, it results in nat- national outcry, it results on parents complaining, and Republican president and, and Democratic presidential candidates complaining about it on national TV. But here in 1953, this was football. There was straight foots, there was deliberately thrown fists or elbows. So naturally, Paul Brown wanted to protect his players. So he went to the helmet company and said, give me something that will prevent that from happening or prevent that from hurting my players too much. So based on that description, Riddell came up with a single gray bar made of rubber and plastic. And it was called the BT-5 face mask. Now we've all seen this. It was just one little bar across the bottom of the face mask, across the bottom of the helmet, right below the mouth between the chin and the mouth you know it's anytime you look up at old-timey 1950s era football that's what you see that is the BT 5 face mask and that was the first helmet with a modern face mask the BT 5 soon Paul Brown mandated that all his players wear that and the Browns were the first but many other teams followed so how did face masks change the game you know the NFL made helmets mandatory in 1943, and in 1955, it did the same thing for face mask on helmet. Not only that, but with the face mask came the face mask penalty. So in Rule Twelve, Section Two, Article Five of the NFL Rulebook, it states the following: No player shall twist, turn, or pull the face mask of an opponent in any direction. So for that, it's a loss of. If a player is found doing that, it is a loss of 15 yards a personal foul and the player may be disqualified if the action is judged by the officials to be a flagrant nature so with the 15 yards comes an automatic first down so that is huge you know an automatic first down you give away like a whole set of downs you move 15 yards it's massive and it, it, it can have a big impact on the game so there's a website called NFLPenalties.com. so I went on there and just looked up the stats for the face mask penalty in 2015, there was an average of 3.16 face mask penalties per team league-wide. So what that means is, on average, there was three first downs that shouldn't have happened that clearly affected the outcome of the game. Um, out, of, out of those teams, New Orleans had the most with seven. That resulted in a total of 94 yards lost for the Saints. And the Jets didn't have any face mask penalties last year. I'm pretty sure if Rex Ryan was still coaching the Jets, that wouldn't have happened. And I'm not surprised that New Orleans had that many because their defense was pretty awful. And you know, when it comes like to the face mask, it's like the last string, like the the last string, the last thing you can grasp before a player really runs away. Um, So yeah, throughout history, the face mask penalty has had a big impact on games. But there's one in particular that really jumps up to me and it happened last year in 2015. So there's a team, out in Wisconsin called the Green Bay Packers are one of the classic teams. Green, yellow are their colors. They play in Lambeau Field which is like this temple of football. They play up in Green Bay, Wisconsin which has nothing else going on for it except for football. It's a football place. It's a football town. It's a football team, you know. And their quarterback Aaron Rodgers is one of the best in the league and he has been for a long time. And last year was an especially good year for him because he had two big Hail Marys throughout the season. Um, One came in the playoffs and one came in the regular season and the one that came in the regular season is the one that I want to focus on that happened against the Detroit Lions and it actually happened after a face mask penalty, so The Packers were given an untimed down after Detroit defensive end Devin Taylor was called for grabbing Aaron Rodgers face mask on a tackle on what would have been the last play of the game so the Lions, which you know, are one of the all-time worst teams in the league, I'm sorry Detroit, um, were playing the Packers and they were winning, comes down to the last play, and this defensive end, Devin Taylor, stretches out his hand, kind of hooks his thumb on Aaron Rodgers' face mask, and he gets called for a face mask penalty. That results in an untimed down, a first down, and Aaron Rodgers tosses the ball 61 yards into the end zone. In a Hail Mary, the Packers catch the ball, touchdown, Green Bay wins, all because of a face mask penalty. Now, the thing is, there's been so much scrutiny on this play. People say that it wasn't a a, a touch. People say that he didn't pull. The rule states that he has to pull or twist deliberately, and it really doesn't look like it. But the point is, that is one instance in which the face mask has changed the game or had a role in changing things all because of this first little strip of plastic that Paul Brown put on his quarterback that had a busted up face. Uh, And we're still like, just because of how it's changed the game, we're still dealing with that. Another big part of face masks is they just look cool. I mean, that's mainly the big thing that I first noticed about them. This leads to another rule that the NFL put in place. Uh, coming into the 2014 season the NFL banned the custom face masks or overbuilt face masks now I'm going to put a picture of these on the site, but these face masks were really really cool looking You know it looked like you had a grate of metal in your face and most of these guys wore them with visors So it looked even more intimidating And you know football is an intimidating thing. It's a vicious thing it comes from a history of you know guys getting busted up and getting sewn up and refusing to To not play you know and now these face masks were outlawed going into the 2014 uh, because the NFL cited that they were dangerous the face mask threw off the balance of the helmet and made it so that it wouldn't be as good at uh, protecting from collision in any case the only way that you could wear one of these special overbuilt face masks was if you had Um, A medical need for them and one of the players that did was this guy called Chris Canty. He was a defensive uh, Tackle for the Ravens also played for the Cowboys a little bit He got in a bar fight once had a beer bottle in his eye So his eye was very sensitive So he needed something that would protect him from getting his eye gouged out and that's the only reason why he was allowed to play with it But yeah in 2014 most of the cool face masks were outlawed by the NFL continuing their tradition of being the no fun league in recent years the last single bar face mask, the last guy that wore the B T five style face mask was a man by the name of Scott Player. He was a punter. Now, the single bar face mask was ruled illegal in two thousand and four, but the players who wore it frequently were grandfathered in and this was, you know, mainly kickers and punters who, you know, weren't really out on the field, weren't really hitting each other and kind of needed or felt like they needed more vision and a lighter lighter helmet or whatever and on October 2000 October 7 2007 the single bar made its final appearance on an NFL field when uh, Scott Player who was the the punter for the Browns at the time punted five times uh, against the Patriots so after that that was the last time uh, that a single bar face mask was ever on the field Um, Scott Player tried to play again in the 2008 season but he was released at training camp by the Patriots and that was the last we ever saw of the single bar face mask so there you have it that's some irrelevant information on face masks uh, hope you enjoyed it I uh, hope it gave you something to think about again visit the website you'll see some pictures there follow us on Twitter at irrelevant pub and we'll see you around for some more irrelevant information really soon